pam 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 Daredevil. Nothing but Daredevil. Can't just sing Star Wars theme over the Daredevil theme. Boys and girls, your attention, please. Presenting a new exciting radio program, faster than an airplane, more powerful than a locomotive, impervious to bullets. Hello and welcome to The Thought Bubble, a podcast about comics and comics-adjacent culture. I'm Joanna Robinson. And I'm Dave Gonzalez. If you're just joining us for the first time, we're here to answer your questions about all things comics. Dave here is our so-called expert, and I'm your friendly neighborhood novice. But this podcast is meant for comics lovers of all levels. If Dave wants to go in-depth or spoilery about a particular answer, he'll do so in our advanced section that comes at the end of each episode with ample warming. So don't worry. If you have a question for us, please shoot us an email at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. You can find all of our old episodes at fightinginthewarroom.com slash comics. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. It's Wednesday, March 16th. This is issue number 37, and we have a special guest with us today, Neil Miller from Film School Rejects. Hello, Neil. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Uh, if you guys listen to Storm of Spoilers, our Game of Thrones podcast, you know that uh, Neil that and Joanna's Z- microphone is broken. <laughs> yes, my microphone is broken. I'm sorry. I sound like I'm in another room. Uh, this will be fixed by the time you hear me next. But uh, also, you know that we love talking about spoilers. We are not going to be majorly spoiling things today until we get to the spoiler section. This is as ever our promise to you, but we do want to talk about a couple TV shows that you haven't had a chance to see yet. One being preacher, which Neil and I saw at South by Southwest and the other being daredevil, which uh, Dave and Neil and I have all seen seven episodes of, and you'll have a chance to see Thursday at midnight when it drops on Netflix. Um, preachers on out till May 22nd. So we will keep things very vague. We promise. But before we get to those things, Something big happened when Neil and I were busy at South by Southwest, or I think when I was on a plane, uh, and that is that Spider-Man, a.k.a. Underoos, showed up in the Captain America Civil War trailer, and at Dave, Dave, as a resident Spider-Man expert, we wanted to get your reactions and how, how thrilled you are, how lucky you are to be alive right now. It was a great day. It was a great day and good on the Hamilton throw in there because I totally caught it because that's the headspace that I'm in. But um, uh, yeah, it was it was especially great just from my perspective from having basically guaranteed everybody that they were going to see it the day before. Like, you don't know what it's like waking up on the day that a you get to see like one of your favorite characters brought to life by like the people who actually own him. For the first time since, like, Stanley flew out and got all, like, late 60s, early 70s on Los Angeles and sold the Spider-Man rights. Uh, I, but also, like, knowing that if you don't, the Internet's going to, like, backlash out to you for promising them things that they all latched on to. So I was, as you could imagine, like, super excited <laughs> when Spider-Man actually showed up. Um, uh, or specifically when the webbing came down on the shield and I like suddenly got a rush of not having to worry about anything anymore. So after my like, stomach unclenched and I started uh, downloading the trailer and frame by framing it, um, I was just immediately impressed with the design job that Marvel did, which is both very recognizably Spider-Man and also completely different from all the other movie Spider-Mans simply because they were all based around design tropes uh, that were like established in the 
80s and 90s Spider-Man, um, whereas this one is definitely based on the Silver Age Spider-Man by like Steve Ditko and John Romita. And uh, right down to like the black eyes and the way that everything's sort of like flat. And uh, it was a little disconcerting first seeing him through YouTube compression because he looked kind of plastic. But once the high-res photos started coming out and you realize that what you thought was like a candy glossy shine was actually just compre- badly compressed internet texture, um, like all my fears were alleviated. I'm really psyched to see how he moves around in this movie. That's the most Dave answer ever. I love it. Uh, Neil, did you have any thoughts on Spider-Man showing up in this trailer? Um, I liked it. I liked the humor of the moment. And um, it was a nice... This, is, this seems like the right point in the marketing uh, cycle to, to show off Spider-Man. It might have been a cool moment if they left it for the, the actual film, but I don't, know if they, I don't know if you can really get that far without something leaking out. Yeah, as we um, learned from as we learned from Preacher this last week, that that stuff would have been on the internet. There are no sick cows. <laughs> no, no. Um, but I do. So, Dave, you you like the costume? I like the costume as well. The eye thing threw me for a second. The the, the lenses that the lenses down. Um, would you say that this ranks at the top of all the cinematic Spider-Man costumes? Right now, it's my favorite only because we're as far away from Amazing Spider-Man 2 as we got before, like, a new drop of fresh air, like, hit. Right now, I'm just, like, more shocked by the design decision because it's really hard if you were to, like, task somebody with designing something that says this is a different version than every other character you've seen who's also switched costumes. I mean, it's a bigger deal than, like, even when Batman switches costumes because it's this studio-sharing thing. So just the fact that the design got pulled off is sort of wowing me. I mean, my personal Spider-Man artist was uh, more active with, like, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 looks, Bagley, uh, in the early 2000s in the comics, the the Ultimate Spider-Man, or, God bless him, the Clone Saga in the early 90s. So, like, that more, like, bigger eye lens uh, sort of plays to me. But they have, like the colors right on the amazing spider-man 2 costume but the webbing is still like kind of raised which casts shadows that don't look good to me so right now it's between this and amazing spider-man 2 but i can only imagine the more i see of this not screw up the design the the more i'm gonna like it but definitely better than like turkish spider-man oh yeah certainly and it like even the things that it has in common with like the crappy 70s direct-to-tv spider-man movie it it corrects through modern technology which is as it should be cool i'm game i mean if dave's happy i'm happy because i I don't care about spider-man as much i think the actual like reveal of peter parker the character too is going to be earlier in the movie before he gets because i think the suit that we see is like stark uh helped like Tony helped them put in lenses and stuff. And I don't know. That if would any- help them explain uh, how uh, like a 16, 17 year old kid got that sweet suit instead yeah. of just making it himself. So like, I think the thrill that they could have held back for the marketing of like, and here's Spider-Man will actually sort of be saved to the movie because at some point when you're so invested in like the high drama that's happening with all the other superheroes, unexpectedly a teenager is going to enter and you're going to be like, I know who that is already. It's going to be great. So I was on that, on that point, like I don't have any opinions on, 
on the makeup of the suit, though I'm interested in yours. But um, I will say the body in the suit, I said this on Twitter already, but this Spider-Man looks to me, he looked as adult to me as like some of our older Spider-Men. And I, I sort of was hoping that since we're getting a legit teenager and sort of like a diminutive one, like he might be kind of built, but he's short. Like I was sort of hoping that this Spider-Man would look teenaged in the suit and to me he doesn't it looks like a grown-ass man um you know we've yet to see him with the with the mask off so we'll see what what happens and of course it's like two seconds i'm not i'm not here to crap all over your your love of spider-man i am i also think it looks great i liked the humor of the moment i thought it was really good um did you get any set any set visit coverage from any of the people that went to the civil war set no they let some of them like take pictures with the captain america shield so it was really interesting like Two days before my context for what Spider-Man's size is was him holding the shield, I got to see pictures of like some of my friends that I met in real life hold the shield, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm happy with his proportions. Okay. Well, yes. I will. I'm excited to see him in context with other people and, and all of that. But yeah, also, Spider-Man. Also, if I've, if I've learned anything from previous Spider-Man movies, it's that the radioactive spider bite will give you abs. It's true. And delts. So. So, yeah. yeah, for real. It's like puberty. Pretty on brand. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, our, we're, next, we're going to talk about Preacher. As someone who's been doing battle with uh, DC fans all day on Twitter, I'm excited to talk about this DC comic, Pre- Preacher. Uh, comic. It's still DC, right? Well, I mean, it's an especially important distinction to make now that Joseph Gordon-Levitt is so disappointed that Vertigo is not like Warner Brothers' DC properties that he left Sandman. So I think it's, it's different. Okay. I'm sorry. But Vertigo. I mean, like, no one should hate on you. Then, That's just lame. Then fuck DC. And we're here to talk about this Vertigo project. <laughs> With apologies to Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> or not. I'm not sure. We're going to talk about Preacher. Um, they debuted the pilot episode at South by Southwest, and then there was a panel that followed. You can read people's reviews online. You can find out spoilers if you want to online. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is brought to you by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, who um, you know from such hits as The Green Hornet. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, super bad. <laughs> I mean, they did do The Green Hornet, but super bad and other things. And this is a passion project for them. They've been trying to do it for a very long time. The showrunner is Sam Catlin, who comes from Breaking Bad. And this is going to be AMC's next big comic book show, to the extent that I also saw. Also, the first episode of Outcast, which is based on Robert Kirkman's um, comic, and that is going to be on Cinemax. And my complete conjecture is that that's going to show in Cinemax instead of AMC, because AMC is like, listen, we already have a Southern Preacher comic coming, and it's Preacher, and Outcast, uh, which features a Southern Preacher in it, um, cannot live here, Robert Kirkman, despite our love for The Walking Dead. So that's going to Cinemax. It might also be because it's a horror comic and it is like, I mean, I know The Walking Dead is too, but like the first episode is really gruesome. So maybe it needed Cinemax. Anyway, point <laughs> being preacher. I freaking loved it. And um, I've talked, you know, Dave is the one who urged me to read the comic in the first place. So we've talked on this show about me reading the comic and really enjoying it and enjoying what Garth Ennis did. And the show is actually kind of significantly different. Um, 
all the characters are the same, the spirit is the same, but um, they talked about how they wanted to set season one in a in a single town. So instead of kicking off and then everyone going on the road, this is going to stay in the town of, oh, I forget what it's called, Anvil, Texas? Anvil. Anvil, Texas. Um, yeah, so we met a bunch of town folk who are not necessarily characters in the comic that will, you know, but are played by recognizable actors. So we'll be seeing them over and over again. Um, yes, Neil, I believe you also mm-hmm. liked this show. I did. It was a lot of fun. And I yeah. think it's interesting that I had never read any of the comics before. So I was only loosely familiar with what this was, show was going to be about. And I found it to be interesting, exciting, violent. I'm into many of the characters. Um, and although I, I sort of, it's funny that you mentioned Outcast and how it's going to be on Cinemax. It, it almost feels to me like there should be this flip between the two and like Preacher should be on HBO and Outcast should be on AMC. Granted, I didn't see Outcast. So because this show feels like it could be that level of violent and that level of, um, you know, gnarly, I guess, for lack of a better word. But man, it was, it was, it's just a lot of fun. Like it's it a is very really fun. fun, super nerdy, um, aggressive, energetic, really polished show. Like I was really impressed with the action and it was very, it, and seeing it on the big screen probably helped, but it was very cinematic. It was very polished uh, the, the episode had fantastic energy. It's clearly from, like, it, it has that Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg sense of humor in places, but it, it's clearly from a showrunner in Sam Catlin that knows what he's doing and knows how to deliver a pilot with energy, similar to what Breaking Bad did. So I think that's really important. I think this is going to be a really big show for people who love stuff like The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones and, you know, our people. This is going to be a big thing for our people. I agree. Um, a couple more things before then. I want to see if Dave has any questions for us. But um, all the, char- the three main characters get great character introductions. Um, Jesse Custer, Tulip, and Cassidy. Um, I definitely thought Cassidy, Jessica Gilgan as Cassidy was going to walk away with the whole thing. But I think Ruth Nega, the more I think about it, Ruth Nega as Tulip was the very best. She's way better than Comic Tulip, and I liked Comic Tulip. So she gets, like, one of the best character introductions I've ever seen. So good. Um, and, uh, oh, oh, and I was really very, very worried, as any comic book reader should be, about our space. Um, but it's amazing. He, they did an amazing job. Uh, this kid has... A ton of prosthetic on his face. Um, they subtitle him like they do in the comic, but he like you can kind of understand what he's saying more than you could in the comics. And uh, the the kid playing him, who's a pretty pretty much newcomer, I think his name is Ian Coletti. Um, he's very expressive with his eyebrows. Like he just does an amazing job with with the restrictive prosthetics that he has. And um, I I was really really impressed with that. Yeah, so, it really looks yeah. like a butt. It does. It's so. very accurate. <laughs> Dave, do you have any questions? Um, no. I'm very happy with knowing about as much as I do right now, which is just what you told me because I've avoided the spoilers. I'm going to obviously go look at them because they're 
who I am. But in terms of like direct questions, I'm happy to hear that they're going with an adaptation that has managed to nail the characters. Because that was my big concern was if you're going to do the story like the story, it has a lot of like modular twists and turns and it's going to be a weird thing to plot for television. So if they found a way to make it propulsive and do like get a whole bunch of the small town storylines and put them in one town, I think that's a really smart way to do it. And I think that's going to lead to some really crazy things as this uh, series, you know, sort of stretches its legs of what it can do within the boundaries it set for itself. One of the things that uh, both Sam Catlin and I think Evan Goldberg said was, um, you know, they're aware that, I mean, one of the comments I keep hearing on Twitter from people on Twitter is that they're really upset that Cassidy doesn't wear his sunglasses all the time. And I just, he wears his sunglasses a lot. And I just don't care that he doesn't wear them all the time. And some people are, are very, very upset that this is the case. And um, so there are going to be people who are upset that this is not a page-to-screen exact adaptation. And and more is the pity, because I just think they did such a good job capturing the spirit. But what both Sam Catlin and Evan Goldberg said was, like, if there are comic book elements that you're missing, that you're frustrated or not here, we're going to get to them. Like, have patience. We're not just cutting them. We're sort of re-situating them. So we're going to ramp up to all of that. And I imagine they're talking about some of the more, like, uh, celestial things, I shall say. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's- yeah, and I think one of the important, one of the interesting things that Seth Rogen said um, in the Q&A afterward was, you know, of all the things that have diverged from the comics, the characters have diverged the least. Yeah. So they were, it was very conscious for them to make sure that the characters are front and center, right on with the tone of the book, which, uh, you know, if you can get that part right, you're in good shape. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because these are some twisted characters later on. Yeah. I will say I, I talked to, um, Joseph Gilligan, who plays Cassidy, and I asked him, like, if he was looking forward to how dark things go for Cassidy, and he was like, you know, and he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know what they're going to do. I think they've only gotten to, like, episode four, shooting-wise, so he's not, like, spoiling anything. Though he was happy to spoil things, actually, during the panel, but (laughs) Dave, like, Joseph Gilligan's going to be your best friend, because he just, he's like Ian McShaning it. He does not give a fuck. (laughs) Um, But, um... And he was, you know, he, they've all read all the comics now. And he was just like, yeah, like, yeah, I, 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 I want to go so dark with him. And I think Cassidy's going to be one of those characters like Spike on Buck the Vampire Slayer, where people are going to fall in love with him as like this lovable rogue and then like be really upset when shit goes very bad. So there you go. That's mm-hmm. Preacher. Now we're going to move to Daredevil, another TV show that you haven't seen, folks. Uh, but this one comes out tomorrow at midnight, or, or today at midnight, if you're listening to this on Thursday. Chances are that, yes, you've, you can have access to everything we're about to talk about. Um, pro- you know, so we have seen up to episode seven. And this is the season where they introduce John Barenthal as the Punisher and Elodie Young as Elektra. And what I will say, you know, in a sort of a, a vague way is that those two, thus far what we've seen, those are sort of two different sections of the season. And there's like a Punisher focus section and then an Elektra focus section. And my overall commentary on the season is that I love the Electra stuff 
and the Punisher stuff really bored me. So um, that's my take. Dave? Uh, hmm. I really like the way that the series introduces both uh, Punisher and Elektra because they're both introduced fully formed, which is completely the opposite over last season's slow burn to building up our villain and our hero to like their titular showdown of being Daredevil. Um, so it's really nice to just you know kick off you know, episode one and like the Punisher is this menace already, and that's what we immediately have to deal with. Uh, so it's like. In the, in a world where they didn't know, they had vague ideas that Deadpool was coming out before and Batman vs. Superman was coming out after, they just immediately get to violent characters being true to their characters fighting each other. And so that's a, just a really smart little storytelling move in comparison to last season, which I enjoyed the prolonged origin story, but it would occasionally frustrate me as somebody who wants to see things they love about the character and being told like, well, maybe next season we'll get to the Billy clubs. I'm like, God, God damn it. (laughs) So this season, it's just great where it's like, yeah, the Punisher might not, you know, roll out of the gate wearing a skull on his shirt, but by the time the character gets on screen, he is undoubtedly the Punisher in a recognizable form. Uh, same with Electra. It's not this uh, Electra that's recognizable because it's a version of Electra we've seen before, either in the comics or the comics that I know about. There's like a whole bunch of post-resurrection Electra stuff that I just tuned out of, um, or in the uh, horrible 20th Century Fox uh, movie. Um, but this one's like really kind of playful. And I think Neil described her off podcast as like a sociopath, like, is she a sociopath? And I'm like, I like just having that question. Um, mm-hmm. And then especially because she's brought in uh, after not only has this Daredevil been put through 13 episodes of getting the crap beat out of him before he gets his name, but he's also had to tussle with the Punisher several times. So by the time she comes in, we need a threat that's not physical. And she provides that in like uh, sheep's clothing, which uh, is just like a really smart way of teasing about the character development that I think is going to continue every time she shows up. Like you never really know what her motivation is or when you do, it's revealed a little bit later that you didn't exactly know the full scope of it. And so they took what could have been like a character that's like in like a damseling turned superhero uh, position uh, and like uh, just did the Frank Miller version to please people, but they didn't. Instead, it's like a new Electra that kind of works much better in this world they've set up. Uh, I'm going to throw to Neil for in, in a second, but first I want to say, I mean, I feel like that's also what they did with Jessica Jones, which is how the alias comic works in terms of you meet her and she's already fully into her world of powers and, you know, only in flashbacks you get her origin story. So, you know, I, I agree. I like that as the Defender series goes on, we seem to be done with origin stories, which is great. Um, at least as like the main thrust of the show. Uh, Neil, what's your take on the seven episodes you've seen? Um, I feel like I'm like somewhere in the middle of where you, where you two landed on this, especially with the notion of introducing the characters separately, because it bothered me a little bit at first. Like there's a period in the first couple episodes where the show feels like it's kind of two shows trying to coexist as one. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And but I, I as I got deeper into it, as I got to the end of the screeners that we had, um, it really feels like I was reminded, oh right, this is a thing that's meant to be like binge watch. So the narrative, if you keep pushing forward, it gets better and better and better. Um, so I think that when we watch the whole thing straight through, it's gonna it's gonna be more cohesive. Because, and Dave's right, what happens is you meet these characters, they're already in motion. The, they use the clever trick of like showing some little bit of flashbacks here and there. Um, and they get to do stuff, which I think is very important with these you know, iconic characters that surround Daredevil. Um, but on the whole, I think from what we've seen so far, it's very violent compared to last season, which is saying a lot. There's some really impressive action sequences that are in these first couple episodes um, that uh, people are going to really dig. And then, you know, just seeing that trailer the other day, it's not even a tip of the iceberg um, in these first couple episodes. There's some really crazy stuff in that trailer that that I haven't seen yet, which is awesome. Yeah, we're going to talk about... Yeah, we're going to talk about that with like both informed and sort of uninformed speculation. There is going to be a Daredevil spoiler section in this episode. But yeah, I mean, both Dave and Neil sort of exclaimed over that trailer before I had a chance to see it. I'm like, guys, why do you care about this trailer? We've already seen so many episodes. Then I watched it. I was like, oh, my God, we didn't see any of this. So- <laughs> <laughs> we're reminded that there's, what, six episodes left? Yeah. yeah. We've seen. So, like, they put, I mean, they not in a revealing way, not in a, like, spoiler way, but they just put all this stuff from the back six into this trailer that we hadn't seen, which was really cool. So, um, and a lot of it ele- is electro-focused, it seems. So I'm excited about that. Um She's so good. Elodie Young is really good. And John Bernthal's really good as Punisher. I think, you know, this show, or I guess the Marvel Netflix creative team continues to just crush it on casting. Like, they are just absolutely fantastic across the board. Yeah. So I think that these these characters are going to be characters that we're going to want to keep spending more time with. I mean, I'm trying to figure out, like... It, there's there's a whole there's some like Deborah Ann Wool and Charlie Cox are both traditionally such giving supporting actors that it's really interesting for me and I think it's going to be interesting to people if they care about the relationships between those two characters uh, to see how it starts to go when they start getting isolated. I think it was a little bit of rocky going for me, but it's interesting like to see Charlie Cox put one-on-one with these new heroes and basically have to play a supporting role for us to get to know them. And he's been doing an amazing job for somebody that's also supposed to be pretending like he can't see. Yeah, no, I, I I don't, there was a lot of these seven episodes that didn't work for me. And at first I was really worried. There's like a whole sub, I mean, I guess that's part of the Punisher thing. There's like a whole sub Punisher episode, um, that involves a lot of violence and torture that I, it was just so, Oh oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. It really shows in my opinion in that episode in particular, which I think is like episode three or four that, um, you know, we're, we have a new showrunner this year 
uh, two new showrunners. And he's right? from Sons of Anarchy. And he's from Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> so there's like what gave Ir- it away? Yeah, there's Irish gangsters like from Ireland who are here to like avenge things. There are biker gangs. There, you know, and and this is like stuff that's in the Daredevil it's comic. A lot of bullets. Yeah, but it's just like it's so Sons of Anarchy for a while. Um, that really until Electra showed up, I was quite worried about whether or not I was going to like this season. Um, and like the worst parts of Sons of Anarchy, in my opinion. So, um, yeah. So what? Foggy, foggy talking to bikers isn't what you expected from Daredevil season two? <laughs> so, so I'm just saying, like, if you start Daredevil and you're like, uh, I don't want to watch Sons of Anarchy, just wait until Electra gets there. And then it's great. And not in a like... And not because I need a, like, strong female character or whatever. I just think that Elektra is the strongest character, full stop, of the season. I just, I think Elodie Young is so freaking compelling in this role. So, yeah. Um, But we did want to talk about that trailer a little bit, um, which, as we said, had some things we haven't seen yet. So, Dave, in the non-spoileriest way possible, can you remind us about this character, Stick, who we saw in season one, who, um... Who's played by uh, Glenn Eats. Scott Glenn. Scott Glenn, thank you. Uh, who shows up in the trailer. Yeah, so Stick was, if you recall from season one, he showed up and triggered some flashbacks. He's the guy that basically turned Matt into a superhero um, by teaching him to blind fight. Stick is also blind. He's a blind fighter. Um, but he showed up. Uh, his excuse for being in Hell's Kitchen at that particular time was... Uh, Nobu and the Yakuza were. Uh, no, Nobu is the guy who like who the, had that like chain weapon that sliced yeah, the guy shit that out of Matt. Yeah. set on fire and had the basically yeah. did a ton of damage to Matt Murdock. Matt, yeah, um, they were like moving some sort of cargo that Stick wanted to like uh, get at, and Matt sort of helped him while we were flashing back and learning how blind, whiny boxers kid turned into super fighter. And it ended up being a kid, and uh, Daredevil pulls out because Daredevil doesn't kill, and Stick killed him anyway, and got all pissed, and everybody was mad at each other when we last saw him. Now it looks like he's going to show up again, and it lo- also looks like we're getting imprisoned children. That was also in the trailer. So the, I guess the reason it's interesting for those two things to show up with ninjas is in the comic books, Stick has something to do with uh, Elektra's backstory but that hasn't been mentioned in any of the press materials or any of the character things about season two so really he's like a x factor as to why he's even in season two at this point because the last time he left matt it was on bad terms and he's supposed to be like a blind ninja with a secret agenda so what is he doing given all this exposition to us in this trailer there you go um yeah so black sky which was that was that like Black Sky, aka this child? That or was, was like, it like it seemed like Operation was, Black Sky, or like what was it? They were using Black Sky like the code name for the kid, which is how yeah. they tracked him for so long before Daredevil knew it was a kid. Right. But at the end, they said something like there was another one. So although Black Sky or whatever was rare, whatever that kid was or had in him or represented there was another so that was sort of like the trail thing off but we all we thought that all ended because nobu got lit on fire and left for dead so it's all it's all a mystery you know don't now leave, we got more ninjas yeah. don't leave people for dead 
<laughs> make sure they're dead. Um, yeah, and we have a lot of ninjas and Yakuza or possibly like Yakuza, a lot of people scaling walls, a lot of people in masks fighting each other. Um, yeah, is this going to tie, Dave, is this going to tie into, I mean, obviously it's all going to tie together, but it's going to tie into Iron Fist, huh? Um, uh, it's possible it could tie into Iron Fist. Um, it's also possible that it doesn't. Um, it depends if you mean tie into Iron Fist by introduce like more mystical elements as magic or science than it I would that that's possible but we also have to get through Luke Cage which I think could have is actually going to be our Iron Fist introductory thing if anything this is uh I think uh, setting up the future of Daredevil as like a hell's kitchen uh, leader of heroes um, okay, and the, uh, one thing that I'll say about the trailer that I'm going to ask Neil about it is um, there's voiceover that does not belong to Scott Glenn, and that to me sounded like it might be Madame Gao, maybe, who was a character I really liked for the first season. Um, Dave, what do you think the likelihood, I mean, we'll talk maybe a little bit more about this in the spoiler section, but what do you think the likeliness, likelihood is that that's Madame Gao? I mean, the reason it could be a possibility is because we have those with seemingly wide-eyed children, and as Joanna pointed out to me, all Madame Gao's workers were blind the first time around. But she kind of she kind of fucked off after Wilson Fisk started to after she took a run at Wilson Fisk and it didn't work out. Um, so it'll be I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how many gangs are biding their time while the rest of the gangs are trying to fill the power vacuum. But that is definitely something that season two of Daredevil, a question that season two concerns itself with answering. Right. And that's um, the power vacuum is what was left because Kingpin, Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin is now in prison. So it's like, who's going to run Hell's Kitchen now? Uh, Neil, was there anything from the new trailer that particularly stuck out to you? Um. Sort of. I have two questions for you guys. One I'm going to save for the spoiler section. And the other one I can totally, because I think it's in the trailer. Um, but we know in season two uh, that he gets a costume change. Sort of. Yeah. What do you guys think of the new, the new duds for old Daredevil? I'm going to let Dave answer that. Because you guys, I, like, I think I've proved that costumes don't mean as much to me as they do to Dave. <laughs> Well, I don't want to go on a second rant, but <laughs> no, rant away. This, this is so much more improved. So everything I didn't like about the It's not too red for you? No, not at all. I've seen a lot of people complaining that it's like too red and well, I they're I'm, looking at the ads, but they haven't they've forgotten that this Daredevil series half the frame is black every every frame. So the way that the reason more red is good and is better than black is that it cats light when you shine point lights at it. And they start using it very specifically in season two to give basically Daredevil pupils uh, through lighting. So opening up the design of the costume to be about lighting and not have to be about, we spent this season showing you why it's functional was just like step one in the right direction. Um, Two is they took the shit that was really bothering me, which was the like Kevlar that came down over his cheeks and to make the, the neck part. Uh, made it red and cropped it back so you could like see part of his cheekbone and a little see bit. See a lot of his face, jawline. which yeah. compared to like Batman, um, 
you're getting like half of Matt Murdock's face, including the undernose, which I've always found very important because when you see Batman, you don't get, you don't understand how he breathes. But I can at least see how <laughs> Matt Murdock is breathing. Um, I also liked, and this is a very small detail, um, and I'm not going to say what it is, but I like that they created a plot device that made sense for the costume change. Like it's not just he shows up in a different costume. So it's those kind of details that give me more confidence in the new showrunners that they're paying attention to stuff and they're, they're making smart decisions. Um, so I think that it's a weird little thing and everybody, when you see it, you'll remember what I said and you'll know what I'm talking about, (laughs) but, uh, it's important little things, little details that are, are what kind of make this show good essentially. Agreed. And I think that we're also going to see, for the people who love random costume reveals, uh, we, we, we don't know when Elektra and Punisher get their full-on costumes yet either. Mm-hmm. That hasn't been in what we saw. So I'm just as excited as everybody else. But I do, like, there is one scene, and it's in the trailer, so I'm not, like, it was in the first trailer, so I'm not worried about it, but, like, Elektra has her, like, her fighting gear that involves like, you know, a mask that she pulls up over her face. And it's just, I don't know. She's so great. I'm just going to keep talking about how much I love her. You've seen the final costume, right? The one that's Uh, on the ads? Probably. Elector gets a... It's in the same photo as the Punisher with the shirt. Okay. I'll look for it while you're talking about the next thing. Uh, Is there anything else you want to cover before we get to the spoiler section? Mm -hmm. Oh... I'm looking forward to binge wa- binge watching six episodes. And that's, you know, Thursday midnight to six. That's, that's pretty tough, but maybe I could do it. I might wait till the morning. <laughs> I don't have to work on Friday. I'll still be so ahead I of might do- <laughs> Well, do I, I'm trying to think, do I get it at nine o'clock? Because uh, I can't remember what Netflix does. Yeah. Is it midnight Eastern? Cause then we all get it early. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how time, time zones, zones work, clearly. It's midnight Eastern, not daylight savings time. So, you know, basically it's like it's like playing Twister. You spin the arrow. If it's on green, you'd, I don't know where this is going. I don't know. Somebody on Twitter will say something. Yeah, that- or they'll, they'll just drop it tomorrow at noon and be like, surprise, Netflix loves you. Oh, my God, that'd be the best. So you're talking about like the gauntlets. So for Electra's costume, you're talking about like the gauntlets and the... The red paneling on the side and the black mask and all that. It just that. looks like final state is different than first state. <laughs> and it looks and it looks so good. Like, I mean, compared to freaking Electra in the comics, which I'm sorry, like she looks No, like- I need to see I judge success of female characters by how much of their leg I could see at all times. <laughs> well, not even the leg, her like stupid <laughs> gypsy headkerchief that she has to wear. And then like you know, poor, all the things that poor Jennifer Garner had to wear. My God, like, I was looking at photos from, um, like, it's not so bad in the Daredevil movie, but in Electra, oh, it's way bad. Like, one of them is, like, a lacy sort of bustier sort of, and it's just, like, no, thank you. I mean, like, I watched all of Alias. I'm fine with Jennifer Garner and, like, revealing tight-fitting costumes, but, like, they should look cool and classy, and the Electra costumes did not, so... Uh, yeah, right. in the comics, she's basically wearing a swimsuit. Yeah, swimsuit and with with a head cur- headscarf. It's bad. It's not she's Olivia Munn's Psylocke, but with red. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, all right, then we're going to head into the spoiler section. So 
we're probably not going to get, like, too specific about things because we want you guys to enjoy things. But, I mean, if something slips out, this this is a spoiler section. So don't get mad at us. You are heading willingly with your eyes open, no no daredevil blindness, into the spoiler section. Clear eyes, full hearts. <laughs> um, you, you bitch, you lose. All right. Uh, spoilers. Spoilers, here we go. Bless me, Father, for I've sinned. It's been... Uh... It's been too long since my last confession. My dad, he used to come to this church back when I was a kid. He was a fighter, old school boxer. Lost more than he won that uh, 24-31 record before he... uh... But he could take a punch. Jesus, he could take a punch. Language? Sorry, Father. Yeah, guys he went up against used to say I was like hitting oak. And nights when he was outmatched, my dad's strategy was to let him hit him until they broke their hands. Okay, so two big things we're going to talk about in the spoiler section uh, is the hand and the concept of Shadowland, I yeah. think. I have a question. Yeah. yeah. I think my question could will start something here. Right. Um, and this is interesting. It's not a huge spoiler because it's in the trailer, this trailer, the most recent one. Um, but why is there a giant hole in New York? Yeah. That would be Shadowlands. Shadowlands. <laughs> All right. Dave, can you explain, as if we're dumb, what Shadowland is? Because I am. <laughs> All right. Let's backtrack even further. So, uh, okay. Okay. I'm going to try to separate, separate speculation from facts. We'll just do truth facts. The Hand is a ninja organization with semi-mystical powers from the Daredevil comic. Uh, everything you know, you need to know about them, just take everything that was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and transfer it over to the Hand, because the foot is the Hand. It's that simple. Um, they wear, like, single colors. They're ninjas. They're superly trained ninjas. Their boss has some magical powers. Uh, their boss in the comics uh, has was, in, like founded the hand in the 1500s so we the daredevil speculative think that nobu actually is that character was that character which is why they drop another sighting of his signature weapon in this because he may not be still alive by purely science-based reasons which would introduce the mystical element of the hand which has always been there in the comics but is sort of absent in the show also in the comics stick runs a anti-hand group of ninjas that trained electra and then electra went to go infiltrate the hand to like sort of take them down for the chaste which is the name of this anti-hand group and sort of went bad for a little while which is sort of like how electra ends up being a hand trained assassin ninja uh, that has not been mentioned in anything that we've seen in the show thus far, so we don't know if that connects at all. Shadowland is, at some point in the comics, they had a crossover event called Shadowland where Matt becomes the leader of the Hand and builds a prison in Hell's Kitchen, which is just like this bottomless hole pit that he calls Shadowland. And he gets this dark daredevil costume with, like, bigger horns. And he starts breaking some of his uh, Matt, ru- Matt daredevil rules about justice. Oh. 
And uh, slowly his friends like Danny Rand and Luke Cage realize that he's actually been possessed by this creature called the Beast, which is like a devil that is the source of a whole bunch of the Hand's mystical powers. So So, like a literal devil. Like a literal devil goes inside Daredevil uh, and sort of makes him this evil Hand. They have to drive out the spirit in ways that I don't need to spoil a whole bunch of comics, but it's a whole comic crossover event where Daredevil basically gets possessed by this evil hand demon and becomes evil Daredevil. Uh, They're obviously doing it out of order if the Shadowland pit exists, but that's why the Shadowland pit is tied to the hand, is tied to Supernatural, is tied to ninjas, is tied to Stick, which is why the second trailer is just like so mind-blowing in its ramifications. So a couple things. Um, first of all, to follow up on that Ninja Turtle thing, Dave told me about this a while ago. I can't remember if it was on air, but you, you gave me that Ninja Turtle thing a while ago and also explained that Splinter is named Splinter because it's a riff on Stick. He's a chip I, off the old block. It's just like all amazing <laughs> and I didn't know any of this. Um, but so a couple things to recap what you said. One is that Electra, who is this like, you know, as far as we know, she has no like supernatural powers, but she's like this rich girl who likes violence and danger, which is how it is in the comics. And, you know, said she trained in martial arts. Like she had a, uh, Oh, didn't she say she had like a, she has, she capoeira instructor or something like that. Like, I feel like the explanation she gives is like, I'm a rich girl. I learned how to fight. That's before, that's what I'm saying. I'm that's, saying when, that's when her and Matt meet, which in the timeline is still accurate to the comics. Right, right. But what you're implying, and which we have no confirmation in the show yet, but might be, is that she's had actually much more advanced and possibly mystical training um, to be as good as she is um, at fighting. The other thing is this introduces a possibility that Matt Murdock, like we know that we're going to get Daredevil Season 2, Luke Cage, Iron Fist... Maybe Jessica Jones season two, and then we're gonna get the Defender series. I don't know when they're gonna put the like the big mashup series, but the tantalizing possibility is that Matt Murdock is gonna be the big bad of that series. If like there is a version of the comics where he's possessed by evil, and all these other Defenders have to unite to take him down, so that, I think that would be really cool and interesting. If like Charlie Cox, our original hero, is the big bad of the Defender series, that'd be great. So. Um. Yeah, yeah, but as but as you say, I mean, it feels early. Like if the Shadowland indicates a beast uh, possessed Matt Murdock, like why are we getting it now versus you know in Defenders? Is it something that's going to be introduced now and then paid off in the Defender series, or or what's going to happen? So, well, I think if you lay the ground rules for well, basically, like what I would have to theorize in order for this to make sense, and this is going far beyond the episodes that we've seen, so this is completely speculation. But that if whatever Black Sky is is a way of channeling the beast and Nobu's been doing it and that's the purpose of the hand and they've been secretly, you know, digging this shadow land in uh, yet somewhere in Hell's Kitchen, that this is just going to introduce all the pieces and then that's that greater threat, that like world threatening supernatural threat is going to be the thing that eventually pulls all our like street level heroes who are having a very real debate about whether or not you should kill bad people against like immortal like ghostbusters so that makes it like everything uh, ripe for a huge 
climactic thing. But it also lays the ground for Shadowlands sometime in the future if you know the beast is out there and, uh, you know, the whole Shadowland idea exists. Because the season itself is just sort of about justice and how you deal with it as a vigilante. And the key thing, which would be some sort of thing happening to Matt Murdock, probably Elektra's ultimate fate, would uh, isn't necessarily the thing that drives him to being evil in the, with the, when the beast possesses him. So it, it, it would be a big mishmash of things, and I don't think they're going to accomplish it all this season, but if they lay the groundwork for that to happen, and then you know we go off and we deal with mystical powers and what chi means for two other seasons and then come back and like this beast is can be an actual devil it would be super fun so we spent a lot of time talking about you know the big action heroes that they've added to um the season uh which means we haven't had room to talk about sort of our, our civilian characters that have returned um Kingpin Vincent D'Onofrio's character Kingpin is in jail. Uh, we have not seen him yet in seven episodes. Um, there, he, there are rumors that he's been... I mean, there's photos that allege to be from the set. So there are rumors that D'Onofrio is in this season at least a little bit, but we don't know for sure. Um, and what I will say is that I liked Deborah Ann Wall even more this season. They give Karen much more to do feels like this season she had plenty to do last year but much more to do and i, I really like what Deborah and will does um foggy bothered eldon henson is that his name um bothered me so much at the beginning of the first season and then he grew on me and now he's back to bothering me again he's really bugging me this hmm. season so interesting i don't know what it is he's he just doesn't work for me as character i mean it's gonna be interesting to see if they end up following either of the comic arcs for either of those characters because they both get like horrible debilitating diseases to make them sympathetic and it's like we may, we're we not there with Karen yet we might be there with Foggy mm-hmm. I still don't do, I still don't think they're going to do that to Karen even on Netflix um, and it's not the 90s anymore I don't know it seems like a 90s plot to me um, wait does yeah. she like get AIDS or something yeah she, she does this is a spoiler section, so I got questions. <laughs> well, it's for I'm the glad, comic. I'm, gl- I'm glad you picked up what I was throwing down in terms of. <laughs> you said 90s. 90s, and I was yeah. like, mm, that's weird. I really, um, in terms of what I've heard about Karen and Daredevil, like uh, she's the the key to the Matt Murdock side. So, uh, I there was a time where I would have put her in the dying like Electra position to teach match teach Matt a lesson I'm not sure if she's gonna be in that anymore the more I saw this season the more I'm like this character might have to stick around just because like we can't get Rosario Dawson back for all the series all the time she's very little of this season so um Neil what were you saying um no I think I think they I think the Matt Karen relationship works a lot better this year yeah um the foggy thing he really is to me very hit or miss. Like he has a couple of scenes in this season where he is um, sort of reckless. I would say like it, he becomes he just does things that you would not do as a human who likes living. And <laughs> one of them works really well, and one of them does not. Yeah. Um. So. You know, I think he there. There's a very hit or miss element to 
Foggy's bravery. Uh, but I do like, so they, they cast, there's kind of a civilian villain, essentially, in they, they cast the district attorney. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so there's this interesting, like, rivalry where it's, she's this very overpowering force in, you know, the legal area. And, you know, you think that Foggy's just going to get steamrolled by her. And he kind of stands up for himself and, and it works out, uh, I think, to the advantage of the character. Um, because you kind of see, you kind of see the value of Foggy as like a lawyer, which is something we didn't get a ton of last year. And you kind of see where he is um, potentially impactful on, you know, the people of Hell's Kitchen. Like, I think they do a pretty good job in these first couple episodes of this new season of showing why people would want to go to Nelson and Murdoch for help, you know? Yeah, I agree. And then I completely agree with you. It is nice to see Foggy, like, knowing his way around the law. And one of my bigger complaints about the first season is we didn't get enough, like, Daredevil in the courtroom. We get a little more Daredevil in the courtroom, though, like, not as much. (laughs) Once again, like, I was really hoping for something and then it gets cut off. But, um... But yeah, I think I think more of the of the legal finagling uh, is fun, and less of Punisher and Daredevil like just endlessly punching at each other. The other spoilery thing I will say is that there is a l- protracted fight sequence um, that is clearly trying to match like the pretty impressive hallway sequence that we got last year, and I, I think mostly because it's trying so hard to be that sequence, I didn't respond well to it. It is like on its face impressive, but. Um, it just seemed too much of the same thing again for me. I agree. It, well, it only annoyed me the first like half where they tried to pretend like it was one sequence. Right. Where like, like people are like, Whoa, in front of the camera. So that right. you can just make a cut. Like what the character is trying to prove and do at that point is powerful enough that just show me the, the gauntlet, you know, you don't have to razzle dazzle me because you did it once in a hallway that was much more forgivingly lit than whatever they tried to do here. I do think um, it's funny because as I was watching it, uh, I was thinking back to what the showrunner said about, Oh, remember the hallway scene last, last year, we're going to have a scene in this one. That's going to blow your mind. Like it's going to blow that out of the water. And I thought this was it, but then I saw the trailer and there's like a ninja scene in a corridor. And I'm just like, Oh, that's probably it. It's not the thing. This is just like an appetizer. Uh, so if this is the appetizer to something even greater later in the season, I'm for it. But if this is the one that they thought, oh, this is going to blow out, blow the hallway scene out of the water, eh, I mean, to me, it's, it's, they're, they're kind of equal. It's, this, this one is less seamless, but far equal, more violent. It would be equal, but, but it's automatically less because it's a repeat. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. The first one had the advantage of being fresh. The first one had the advantage of you're watching it, and then all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, they're doing this. And then the second time around you're like, oh, it's this again. Um, at yeah. least that was my, my cynical. I don't know. I, I, in that first season, I never felt like that was super fresh because I was basically like, oh, they're just doing old boy. Um, but Old boy know, from like, a different angle, though. Sort of. Oh yeah. boy, is sideways. This is from the back. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, like- I, I like this. The only, the only thing that I like about this one is the first one was like a let's do something cool just to show that we're Daredevil. This one I feel like really has because he's not at the time that it comes, the obstacle that he has to clear is very 
clearly set up and daunting and the timing that he has to do it, although they fudge it to be cool, is also like set up. So in terms of like the construction of how they get to the story and what Matt has to prove by surviving the gauntlet, I feel is much stronger than I got to fight a whole bunch of guys to get a girl because like you could shoot that any old way. So it's like they set themselves up to be able to do something, but just weren't able to execute the technical aspect of it for, for me. I'm really pleased with how we talked about that without like really super duper spoiling it. So good job, everyone. Yeah. Uh, yay. Are there any other characters or, or elements that, that we're forgetting to talk about? I like that this daredevil is like, we could have rain love scenes. We'll show you how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, attempts. Yeah. We'll I'm like, plays. Unlike, unlike the hallway versus the gauntlet this season, like that riff on something we've seen daredevil do before really worked for me. I was like, oh, you know, like, we thought this was ruined forever since they did it really cheesily with Jennifer Garner and Ben Affleck, but it's not. It's, it's, uh, it was good, I thought. Mm-hmm. They do, it's, it's a lot of very good details. Like, there's, there's an Electra scene very early on when she shows up where, you know, you're just like, oh, she's a crazy person. Like, immediately, um, she is constantly, she's the character who puts him in the most potentially dangerous situations without warning. So I think they are really, they're really getting the details right. Um, as long as they stay away from the biker gangs, I think we're going to be in good shape. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I guess I feel like, uh, you know, you, you touched upon this before, uh, Dave, I think it was like how Frank Castle is this physical threat to Matt, and then um, Electra Nachos is this uh, psychological, emotional threat to him. Um, that second, I'm always going to prefer that second. But also, if you want to talk about genre, Electra introduces these spy elements because, like, she takes Matt on like a couple, like there are a couple different like heist type things that involve Electra, and I lo- I love spy stuff. So yeah. You know, any any time that like you know, someone is fighting in formal wear, I'm for it personally. It's, I mean, it really is. It's like the Punisher stuff is like a, it's it's like a horror movie. It's like a serial killer movie. <laughs> All of a sudden, it becomes an espionage thriller. Exactly. Which somehow works together with this magic, essentially ninjas. kung fu show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, I mean, it really. It bodes well, like my my main thought with this, with seeing Daredevil, is it bodes well for everything they're going to do going forward. Even makes me feel better about the Iron Fist casting. Because it's like, man, these guys really are good at casting, so maybe that super white curly-haired dude has something that we haven't seen yet, so. Oh, uh, slow, slow Loris. <laughs> <laughs> I like this show because it knows, or I guess after seeing Jessica Jones it's great to see that that show knew what its premium was, which was like sort of applying the female gaze to superhero uh, villains and allowing you drawing your audience into this one, uh, into that uh, daredevil knows that it's premium is violence and it's when you want to do it, how much can you cause and how much can our character take uh, before he, you know, breaks or breaks his rules. And they managed to introduce two other characters that so well play on the gaps of the violence theme for Daredevil uh, that, like, even though this is an incredibly upping in the violence of the series, it still feels like where the characters need to be. It doesn't feel completely obsessed, excessive, 
which hopefully is something they sidestep by instead of having like bazooka action, they go to supernatural ninjas, which will be great. Yeah, I think I would much prefer supernatural ninjas to bazooka action. <laughs> um, all right, uh, and one thing I, you know, I, I've. I think crapped enough over the Punisher storyline. I do want to say that John Bernthal is really good at the quieter stuff. Um, I didn't really love him on the walking dead, but I have liked him in other film roles and, and I think he's very well cast here. And, and so playing the, the trauma and the damage of Frank Castle, he's, he's really, really good at that. And they did a good job of, or he did a good job of performing the fact that he doesn't care who daredevil is and therefore never refers to him as anything but red. Yeah. I was like, oh, 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 that works so well. Good job, job, Murdoch. <laughs> a lot of good chemistry floating around in season two. Yeah, between these characters, which uh, uh, you know, re- really, really takes it to the to another level. All right, is there anything else we want to talk about in terms of Daredevil? Mm. Can't wait to see what's in that hole. Yeah, what's in the hole? I can't wait to see Electric kick more people. Do you think she's going to end up being bad? Um, possibly, but like bad, but like redeemable. Do we? That's what I think. Oh, I have a question. Does anybody think they know what's going on with that shot in the final trailer of a bloody Punisher in prison? I, I mean, I feel like he's gonna kill all the people in prison. <laughs> I think he's yeah. gonna have his own gauntlet thing that he has to do. Do you think this is total tinfoil hat stuff? So like. <gasps> Citadel of Crazy makes its way to Thought Bubble. Okay, sorry. We have to go to the Hell's Kitchen of Crazy Town. (laughs) Into Uh, the Shadowlands. But so I think it seems to me that they want to bring Wilson Fisk back eventually. Like the show's doing kind of well without him at the moment because it's all about the power vacuum left in in his absence. But do you think that that might, like the Punisher, somehow chaos is created uh, in jail and Wilson Fisk might sneak away or maybe has something to do with that. Or maybe that's where we see him again or something like that. Yes. to the back parts of those, like, okay. I think, I think we definitely see him again and I would love if he had something to do with it. And I want him to break out uh, Punisher and send out bullseye at the same time just to kill everybody. Can we have a friendly bet? A mm. friendly thought bubble bet. Sure. Uh, it depends if you're betting against me or not, I guess. I am betting against you. Dave is so sure that Bullseye is in the season. And I just don't see room for him. Uh, and at one point, it should be said that like Jason Statham was rumored to be cast for Bullseye this season. And he's probably not. Probably almost definitely not. Um, probably but, almost definitely not. Well, I mean, like they said he wasn't. But like, what if that was a double blind? I don't know. But anyway. Um, like Marvel's ever lied before. <laughs> Dave, let's like let's make a bet. I don't know, Neil. Where do you stand? Do you think there's room for Bullseye in the back six of this of this season? Yes. Yeah. I think I, I think as depending on where it's he so overstuffed already. Still treating Electra like a hero. She's been with the hand the whole time. We haven't seen her size. We don't know why she's there. We don't know why she's not given the full. Why skinny. am I treating her like a hero? No, I'm not talking about like whether or not she dies. I'm just saying like so that's spoiler alert for the Ben Affleck you know, Jennifer Garner movie. But like, um, <laughs> like I'm not talking about whether or not she dies. Like it's fine if she dies. I'm just saying like 
to introduce Bullseye is another icon. Like to introduce Punisher, Elector, and Bullseye all in one all in one season just feels like so much. But it would and be really impressive dealing, if they did it. If we're dealing with the hand and Madame Gao coming back and Nobu coming back and like all the shit that we haven't resolved, like how is there room for Bullseye here? I mean, he's ground setting. So like. I tried to avoid that we're in spoiler section now. There's the, like a dead bullseye factors into the beginning of Shadowlands. Uh, right, right. I read, of, the, yeah, I read the read the today. <laughs> so it's like the it's not so much like they're right in the sense that they want Neil was right in the sense that they want Wilson Fisk to come back. Like they didn't want to like dispense the kingpin and have him be one and done. And like he's on the periphery of this season because everybody's either talking about what they're going to do or that like there's this huge power vacuum or what happened with Fisk. Daredevil's huge, like, you know, uh, villain that made him become himself. Uh, I think that, like, he's going to be pissed if the hand steps in and says, like, no, now we run Hell's Kitchen because we have a demon beast. And what do you do is you throw out your most lethal person to, like, control your stakes until you get get out of prison. Or if you're busted out of prison by a crazy violent man. So, okay, so if, so if Electra is, like, secretly, like, leading the hand or part of the hand or whatever, and this is all one big long con or what have you to get the hand in, in the power vacuum that was held by... And once again, listeners, this is all Citadel of Crazy Town, Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, we haven't seen um, any of this happen. Uh, so, like, okay, so if Electra is leading the hand and she is trying to get into Wilson Fisk's spot, Kingpin's spot, and Kingpin finds out and sends Bullseye to kill her because she's, like, the new... She's the captain now. Like, um... And the captain now. Exactly. <laughs> um, like, I mean, I guess. I just I just don't see, like, what does he think is going to happen when he's in prison? It's not like he has a lieutenant in place. Like, his lieutenant's dead. It's not like there's a king... It's not like he still has any semblance of control over Hell's Kitchen. No, no, so, no, but, like, the Punisher... Not that we know of. The Punisher's taking out anybody who rises to, like, the actual top. We still don't know who created the Punisher in terms of, like, there's hints that maybe his family's killing wasn't so such a random accident. And, like, everybody's sort of balancing to just keep each other in check. The Yakuza are doing nothing except building that hole. So, like, the second that plan comes to the forefront, he's going to be super pissed. Because if he has been monitoring it, things are fine. Like, Hell's Kitchens get, like, there's one crazy guy in a devil suit, and there's another guy who's killing all of the, like, enemies that step up. You got you to keep it tender like meat. You just got to keep beating it. His whole idea was to knock it all down and build it all back up again. Right. The chaos is good for his brand. It's very on brand. Right. I, but I, like I, crazy demon beasts, that's not good for anybody. I just don't see what, you know, Kingpin is already in prison. I just don't see what Electra could do. I hear you. I hear your theory. I'm just saying, I, to me, that doesn't make sense. Right. To me, it doesn't make sense that like Electra rising to power with him in jail is enough for him to send a crazy assassin after her. Well, there's a, well, not just after her, just like into the hand thing, and then because she, all they have to do is be after the hand, and Elektra is with the hand that gives, you know, that puts Matt in a situation where there's this battle royale, and he's trying to protect Elektra from both Bullseye and the Punisher, who are only there to take out the hand. So, like, it's a compelling dramatic situation, and the reason I'm getting there is completely emotionally based, which is, from what I've seen of this season, emotionally, it makes sense that Elektra dies at the end of it. Uh, and then, two, if Elektra's going to die, it better be Bullseye, because it's always Bullseye. 
which yeah. is, you know, that's the, the fanboy in me. Both of those things are completely uh, based on just how I feel about the season and what I've seen thus far. But and there's definitely time for it to happen. We've seen 7 of 13. Bullseye could be introduced and have an entire backstory, for all we know. All right, I'm still, I'm still going to go out on this limb and say Bullseye's not showing up this season. All right, what are we, what are we betting? Um... God, oh, you know what? People should write in about all your thoughts at gmail.comics if they don't have time because we're going to watch this all. No, we're betting now. Set unseen. Mm-hmm. The stakes can be determined later. Does, do bets work that way? Oh, man. I don't know. I think people can tweet or email us what they think the, res- the results should be and we can decide between what people say. We can decide the best stakes, but we've taken our stand, Right. I mean that feels a little dangerous. Let's let's say let's say here it could either be a low sum of money, or it could be some sort form of audio embarrassment that is tacked onto a podcast. Like one of you has to make up lyrics to the opening theme song of Daredevil, something like that, or um, uh, you know, <laughs> Does anyone to do a heard- Hamilton cover. I did, I don't know that that I feel is like a a corral our listeners can play in. Uh, does anyone ever think, does anyone like, is anyone reminded of Pepto-Bismol commercials during the Daredevil opening credits? <laughs> you are now. Vis- visually, Oh man, you know what I'm not looking forward to hearing that thing 13 times in one day. You know, fast forward. Or six. that. Man, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Sometimes it's just sandwich time, but it's in the back yeah. of your head. Right, it's that's bathroom back time. Head. I was about to say, it's usually like n- n- more water time for Bathroom me. time, I'm not that speedy. <laughs> oh. Well, no, um, you start when the episode goes to credits, and um, you have like 30 seconds, and then <laughs> plus the opening credits. Guys, I, I'm a professional. <laughs> I know what uh, I really want to know what, what I feel like. Okay, we could do low sum of money. What do you, Neil? Do you want in on this bet? I don't know how we do two two versus one. I kind of like recommended oh. audio embarrassment. Okay, recommended audio embarrassment. So here's the thing: you send in your idea for recommended audio embarrassment, and the winner gets to pick it. The winner gets to pick what the loser has to do. Yeah, I have other suggestions for that. Like someone has to sing one of the bad songs off the original. You know what, Neil? You could email bubble your thoughts at gmail dot com <laughs> with all of your ideas, and if you have the I'm one just trying that's to most plant, humiliating to Joanna, I'm trying to plant some seeds <laughs> yeah. for the listeners here. It'll be great. That'll be great, and I bet Joanna will be doing it. That's what a bet is. Hashtag Joanna v Dave, <laughs> Dawn of Justice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, uh, or you can tweet at us at Joe Rothus at DA70 at Rejects if you want to uh, rope Neil into it, or you can email us, bubbleyourthoughts.com. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that p- people opted out of the spoiler section. <laughs> they don't get to hear this part, but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll probably tweet awesome about points. it. Also, probably like as soon as he shows up, Dave is going to like text me or whatever and be well, like, suck it. Like three in the morning. I think I get to take <laughs> responses until we record again. So now that you've watched the series and have revisited this podcast for the spoiler section, everybody gets to hear it and suggest how I embarrass <laughs> Joanna. That's or true. I'm sounding like a complete asshole right now. 
Either way, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Gold. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Daredevil voice? Nope. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to ask one more question. Oh, yep. If Bullseye shows up, uh-huh. do you think it's going to be a super famous person like Jason Statham playing? No. Okay. You no. think they're like, because that whole Statham debacle, they're going to go with like an unknown. He won't be unknown, but he won't be like, oh, I've always hoped he was a superhero. Will it be... Um, I was about to say, uh, Ed Screen. From the cast of Downton Abbey. <laughs> I was going to say Ed Screen. <laughs> who uh, replaced you know who would, the transporter? No. You know who would actually kind of be good? Yeah. The dude who played the evil butler on Downton Abbey? The dark-haired gay? guy? Gay butler? Was he gay? Yeah, I think he was gay. Thomas? Okay. Yeah. That guy. Oh, okay. I mean, should this I'm person just... look real? Should this person look really good bald? Is that is that a, a uh, priority? I mean, no, I don't think so. <laughs> should it be Should it be Stanley Tucci? I'm just wondering. <laughs> um, it doesn't have to be a bald person, I guess. Bullseye isn't Bullseye bald? No, he wears a head hood with a bullseye on it. Uh, I mean, he might be bald. I don't. Uh, what's? I don't know if the character is actually bald. But the bald thing you're thinking of is Colin Farrell. I know. I'm, tattoo. I know. I'm thinking of Colin. Which wasn't Maybe bad. it should be Colin Farrell again. That'd be great. <laughs> oh my god, that would be so great. And he's already. He was on Fantastic Beasts already. By the time this was shooting, I, I, no, no, wait, that was last. That was last year. He was only for. Okay, wait. Maybe it could be Colin Farrell. I don't think it is. Um. All right. Well, if you hear this somehow before the episode drops, um, you know, shoot us your your guesses as to who who's playing Bullseye. If if Bullseye shows up, which he who won't. would you cast as Bullseye? It's <laughs> your dream Bullseye casting, dear readers. Dear readers. Um, all right, and then I think that's it for us. We'll be back next week possibly i think we have a star wars podcast scheduled next week we are going to be talking about batman v superman dawn of justice coming up soon as well so we'll be around guys um thanks for listening until then dave where can people find your work uh you can find me on twitter at da7e at geek.com and latito-review.com and neil uh you can find me on twitter at rejects also read my daredevil review which is on facebook.com very fancy i'm joan robinson you can find me most days on vanityfair.com where i should have an interview with elodie young coming up soon um or you can find me on twitter at joe wrote this we will see you very soon bye